Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Okay, it's Friday. It is Friday. The 21st of December, Christmas is just around the corner. We've got one more weekend of uh, shopping and getting together uh, with family. And those that are not celebrating Christmas are surely enjoying the holidays. Today, we have a lot to talk about. As we noticed, even though people were saying this was a slow week, we realized that a lot has happened. Today, I want to focus resignation, what I'd like to call firing. I'd like to discuss the wall. And I'd also like to say, I have, a few days ago, I did promise that I would put up information in regards to this whole Turkey Flynn situation that coincidentally happened during... Flynn sentencing hearing. So we'll talk about that. On ToriSays.com, I've already uploaded the article with links to all the documents, screenshots of what's important, and dropped a few hints. I've been dropping it for a while now. Who is this judge that the Obama administration ran to to try to overturn our elections because they were supposedly working the Trump administration with Russia and other uh, foreign entities, right? So I just make a mention, (laughs) a hypothetical. So in my house, we have bronchitis running rampant. It's super cold, uh, not as cold as it should be where I am. Actually, we have above, way above average temperatures, Uh, So excuse me if I cough every now and then. Now what we need to do is understand where we're at right now. Right now we're at, are we getting this wall? We're at 90 days. A lot can happen in 90 days until uh, Flynn is actually sentenced. And what's going on? Why is the left in pure sheer panic? And Whitaker, what role will he play with the Mueller investigation? These are all things I believe we need to cover today. This, uh, I think I'm going to start with Mattis's resignation, supposed resignation, right? Because he was fired. Now, I did a write-up yesterday about Mattis telling uh, my Fans, my readers, and just in general, the world needs to know things about Mattis nobody even knew. Or shall I say they knew, but skillfully omitted. First things first, 
we all know that uh, General Mattis was one of the few posts, uh, nominees by President Trump, that was confirmed so quickly it made anybody's head spin. It was a 98 to 1. No hiccup there. Everybody wanted him. Now, let's not be mistaken. He's a great soldier. He's done great uh, for whatever the administration he was serving under needed to get done. And he was great at helping us eliminate ISIS. I mean, that's what he's good at. He's a soldier. He's rigid. There's no gray. There's black and white. There's strategy and execution. So where are we at? I mean, this great soldier ran the Department of Defense. We've eliminated ISIS. We're pulling out of Syria. We're discussing pulling out of Afghanistan, too. The left is going nuts. You know, and there's a lot of people saying, well... You know, we should stay because the bottom line is uh, we need to be there. And uh, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's because it's money. We make a lot of money from war. And yes, that's true. But that's not why. I mean, that's a factor. But that's not why. Actually, General Mattis's resignation letter tells you why. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Mattis. So, you know, he served us. He got out, you know, retired as a general. But what was he doing during his retirement? What was he doing before he was nominated to head the Department of Defense and went through uh, his confirmation, you know, with no hiccup and all smiles and laughs? There was no actual hardball questions. Well, I'll tell you two things you need to know just to understand. The first thing is, when he was put up for nomination at that time, and a little before it, obviously, there was a company named Theranos that was making rounds globally as to just how big of a fraud they were. And it was actually used as a comparative to Martin Shkreli, who went to jail whose case was tried so quickly uh, and, and didn't defraud the government, didn't really do anything wrong but omit things, and he was just sloppy. Whereas we have Theranos, right, who committed fraud to the government, who was taking our tax money to supposedly develop technology that would allow you to just take one drop of blood and be able to analyze it. Your white cell blood count, your sugar levels, your, you know, enzymes, you know, just one drop. No vials, no, you know, nurses coming to your bed and taking up pints to, to, to analyze just one drop. Turns out the company wasn't doing that. It turns out Theranos was doing something completely opposite was nowhere near. They were fabricating reports and developments. You know, the whistleblower said a few things, but the bottom line is what's coming out is that this company was trying to find ways to use 
human blood to replicate slash house specific hormones and enzymes, kind of like a Petri dish, which for me as a scientist, you know, that would be kind of cool, but what hormones and what enzymes they were trying to cultivate is the nefarious part, but I will not get into it. Those of you listening that are interested, go do your digging. Now, the one thing we need to take a look at is Theranos's 12-person board. And it was reported by many publications at the time that they were in the news. So, obviously, the CEO was Elizabeth Holmes, who paid, like, what, half a million dollar fine? Didn't even get half. She wasn't even dragged through the dirt like Martin Shkreli, who grandstanded. By tackling a pat, let's let's take a step back. Shkreli found a patent popping for AIDS medication, right? And and here's where you see just how ugly this is. He's young. He's a biohacker. He's bold. So he sees that a patent on a, on certain AIDS medication was popping. You know, there's so many of them that happen every day. Now, if you have an army of lawyers. The minute it pops, you can claim it. Now, the pharmaceutical companies didn't think anyone knew about it. Nobody inquired about it. It's just been there for 10 years and maybe forgot, slipped through the cracks. But it didn't for Shkreli, so he got the patent. And what did he do? He suddenly marked up this medication, you know, to like something crazy, like seven, $800. And people were like, oh my gosh, this guy just you know, priced this medication at seven, $800 when it only cost $13. And they were maiming him as the guy who did. And it was a stunt to draw attention to the fact that that medication has been around for decades and no one was getting this medication. It was buried in some file of a big pharma company. So to draw attention to that, well, you know, so many AIDS, you know, um, patients haven't received it. Nobody gets it. But now I'm telling you I'm putting the price this high and suddenly the pharmaceutical company, the mainstream media come out attacking. Why don't you attack the pharmaceutical company that never marketed it? That was the whole point of this stunt. It was genius. And he paid for that. Look where he is now. He actually raised that awareness and look where he is now. I mean, it could have been also the fact that he was asking people, hey, anyone get close to Hillary, grab me a strand of her hair so I can analyze her DNA. Remember, he said that. And then he was in jail. Why? I mean, I could say that. Does that mean that I'm going to be collected and, and thrown in jail because I'm asking to check the DNA of a candidate or someone? I mean, it's a violation of privacy, yes, but we can say whatever we want. This guy was tossed in jail for saying, get me some of her DNA and I will analyze it. For some reason, that was a big threat. There's something they don't want us to know about her DNA. What is it? We don't know. Regardless, look where he is and look where the CEO of Theranos is kicking it. Now, who was part of her board? It's very interesting because, you know, she's, she's, uh, she's also a woman, right, that promotes women in STEM and, oh, my gosh, and we need more women in science. But her board of directors 
was all a makeup of men minus her. Anyway, having said that, regardless, right, her board depicts to you, it is clear just from the selection of who's on her board, just how curious Theranos is. So she had former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger on her board, former Secretary of Defense Bill Perry, former Secretary of State George Schultz, former Senator Sam Nunn and Bill Frist, former Navy Admiral uh, Roughhead, um, uh, General Mattis, and former CEOs... um, uh, w- w- from Wells Fargo and Bechtel. Take a look at those names. How is a company that's creating technology to be able to analyze blood from one drop have all these heavy hitters that have nothing to do with blood analysis on their board? They're all either Secretary of State, they're generals, they're all government officials. So that's number one. And while General Mattis was undergoing his confirmation, no one thought to bring it up. You know, no one thought to bring up Theranos and say, hey, you're like on the board of this company. What's going on? It's like a huge fraud. No one thought to bring it up. What do you know about blood analysis? How did you get into this? No one thought to bring it up. Another thing that you don't know about General Mattis is that he attends Bilderberg meetings. And specifically in my article, I put a video of him leaving the Bilderberg meeting, exiting it. I've also put the link to the list where he's there as some, I don't know, Stanford fellow. Just so you guys can see exactly what's up. But here's where it gets really creepy. So I've been monitoring Theranos For my own reasons, you know, I'm in medical research. And if anyone could actually develop something like that, that would be pretty stellar. So I've been following the company and what publications and announcements they made. I always did. But what I noticed was, is the minute General Mattis' name was thrown into the ring to join the Trump administration... Bloomberg, which is a site you go to, right? Um, you know, so that way you can see uh, company, IPOs, names of board of directors, address, headquarters, you know. Suddenly, Henry Kissinger's name is completely removed from the list of board of directors, and it's got a bunch of other people on there, too, which contradicts every single other publication that I've put out there that says it's a member of 12. Well, you know, they added members of the advisory board. But if you can see, the members that were actually board of directors were less than what they were. There were 12, which included the CEO, right? So it's 11. And they don't have 11 people. Because Kissinger is missing. Who, by the way, Henry Kissinger was also at the Bilderberg meeting in 2015 in Austria with General Mattis. He was on the list, too. So these are things... You don't know that the media never told you and probably will never tell you. These are things that depict deep-rooted relationships. Could you imagine? He's working with a company that is under investigation. One of the biggest frauds 
for funding by the federal government, right? Because the federal government was funding them and private, but it was a majority of our tax money that went into it with, uh, you know, a list of board of directors that's insane, completely insane, with generals and former secretary of states and Department of Defense, uh, former Department of Defense. Come on, guys. They're analyzing blood, right? What? Why the heavy hitters? Is it to have clout to get this federal money? What is it? I mean, it's a little bit overkill, right, for clout. Specifically, it's overkill when your company's not even doing that. And to try to create... You know, a vector to have blood as a vector to house and replicate specified hormones and enzymes as if naturally produced or trapped there and then replicated seems really, really creepy. Like, what are you trying to replicate in blood? Are you trying to make this blood, you know, replicated so you can insert it in blood transfusions? And what purpose will that serve? Is it, what are you trying to do? It's very confusing, very, it's actually very secretive too. So that's General Mattis. That's his history that you don't know about. Now let's move on to his, you know, wonderful, right? As, as claimed by Pelosi and other people of the left and Lindsey Graham, who we know is so corrupt, I don't trust him at all. He is not a Republican. He is not with us. So let's begin to deconstruct this letter. Penned for December 20th, he says, I have been privileged to serve as our country's 26th Secretary of Defense, which has allowed me to serve alongside our men and women of the Department of Defense, of our citizens, and our ideals. Okay. Great. Here's where it gets, what? I am proud of the progress that has been made over the past two years on some of the key goals articulated in our national defense strategy. Putting the department on a more sound budgetary footing, improving readiness and lethality in our forces, and reforming the department's business practices for greater performance. Our troops continue to provide the capabilities needed to prevail in conflict and sustain strong U.S. global influence. So everything was great until that last sentence. Our troops continue to provide the capabilities needed to prevail in conflict and sustain strong U.S. global influence. Why are our troops influencing? Aren't our troops supposed to be defending us? Aren't our troops supposed to be at ready to defend us? What do you mean influence? Like, do they go places and tell people what to do? Do they... What, what do they do? I thought that was USAID's job. What, what, what are our troops supposed to be influencing? That's number one. But here is where you see contradiction, and you see more of this influence talk. He proceeds to say, one core belief I have always held is that our strength as a nation 
is linked to the strength of our unique and comprehensive system of alliances and partnerships. Stop. What? So his core belief is that the strength we have is linked to the strength of unique relationships, right? And a keyword comprehensive system of alliances and partnerships, right? So he's saying that we're only strong because we have this strong bond with a comprehensive, which means a lot of parts system, right? A system with a lot, right? Good and bad, comprehensive, kind of like comprehensive insurance, your fault, their fault, it's everybody's, right? Good, bad, comprehensive system of alliances and partnerships. So alliances, they're super friends, right? Partnerships, not my friend, but we're working together. Huh, interesting. So your core belief is that we as a nation are only strong because we have these partnerships and alliances, not because we are the beacon of, of, of hope to the rest of the world. We are innovative in the fact that we are a free, you know, free nation and that we set the tone for what a democracy should really look like. But it's based on our partnerships with countries like, I don't know, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. What are you talking about? Those are the partnership. The alliances are United Kingdom, the European Union, Australia. Partnerships are China, Russia. Okay, let's discern the difference. So all those partnerships and alliances are really the core of our strength as a nation. No, they're not. It's the people of the United States that depict the strength of a nation, not your relationship. Your strength as a person is not illustrated by your networking. I'm sorry. It's illustrated by your actions as a person, by your activities, by your say and what you stand. Yes, show me who your friends, I'll tell you who you are, but... This is kind of like, show me who your friends, I'll tell you who you are. Well, if we look at our friends, uh, we're just a globalist tool. And actually, the, the caliphate of it. You know? We're the monarchs of that relationship. We are the queen bee. We are, in the mean girls, the head of the pack. If we look at it that way. So let's continue. So he says, While the U.S. remains the indispensable nation in the free world, so he acknowledges that the whole free world, the so-called free world, the global network of alliances and partnerships, acknowledge that we're indispensable. Yes, we are. This is why France is on fire right now. This is why Germany is like, oh my gosh, it's all Trump's fault. This is why the UK is up in arms. This is why we have martial law in European states. This is why we have uprisings globally against socialist agendas. So yes, we are indispensable because, hey, look at that. We have a president that threw a wrench into all their plans and they're just like, but you're running the plans. You can't throw a wrench. And he did. Because it goes against what our American values say we stand for. Our Constitution states our values. Our actions for the past 80 years do not align with our Constitution. 
So let's continue on here. He says, while the U.S. remains the indispensable nation of the free world, we cannot protect our interests or serve the role effectively without maintaining strong alliances and showing respect to those allies. So we're indispensable. You threw a wrench, Trump. You shouldn't have done that because, look, everyone's going nuts now. We've got people making deals with Venezuela, you know, uh, Syria. We can't make pipelines there. We got issues with Yemen. They're not complying with Iran and Oman's demand to extend pipelines. You're just – everything's going tits up, Trump. You can't do this because we can't serve our role as the queen bee of the globalist you know, agenda because we were the head of this. Until we understand the responsibility that we have to take as citizens for allowing previous administrations to do this, we cannot solve this. We allowed them, and it's not because we wanted it. It's not because we asked for it. It's because we were misinformed constantly. They were controlling the information we have. We elected these clowns, and this is what they've been doing for the past 70 years. So even Mattis puts it out that we, as the head of this globalist movement, cannot be effective in that role if we don't maintain alliances and partnerships because as you can see there's been a reshuffle a big reshuffle on who we are friends with who we deal with and how we proceed and this is only the third paragraph of madison it gets even more nefarious and deep into it how he contradicts so i'll leave you with that thought and i'll see you in a bit after this break Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855 855- 729-78. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world is mypillow.com So before the break, uh, we were uh, deconstructing General Mattis's resignation slash your fired letter because an adult in the adult world, you hardly ever get fired, especially in positions like this. You're forced to resign. He was very salty in this letter, but let's just deconstruct it. And I want you, while you're listening to me analyze his letter and tell you exactly what it's saying, and this is why the left is in, you know, uproar and why that dude, Rachel Maddow, I mean, that guy, you know, just sits there and, you know, (laughs) cries about it. But I want you to think of this. Think that this, this was... President Trump's Secretary of Defense. Just fathom that for a second. This is his right-hand man for everything defense. Something that's important to every single leader and president. Imagine having a man who writes such a resignation letter as your right-hand man. What does that tell you? All I can say is, For those of you that believe in any God, pray for him. Because this is what he's surrounded by. Now let's continue. Because we were only up to the second sentence of his third paragraph. So like he said, right? That we are indispensable and the free world basically relies on us. Exactly what Obama said at the Baker Institute, that we set the tone for the rest of the world, that we're in charge. And this is just being reinforced by Mattis. And here's where he continues. And he says, like you, I have said from the beginning that the armed forces of the United States should not be the policemen of the world. Great. We agree on that. Oh, great. They shouldn't be the referee. We shouldn't have bases everywhere. We shouldn't be forcing people to do things. We shouldn't be implicating ourselves in wars that are none of our business. Great. We shouldn't be instigating wars and we shouldn't be suggesting wars. Great. (laughs) That's a great sentence. But here's where he contradicts it. Instead, 
We must use all tools of American power, okay? We're talking money, we're talking armed forces, and we're talking Spygate Network, okay? Let's continue. We must use all tools of American power to provide for the common defense. Whose common defense? Ours? Let's see what he says. Including providing effective leadership to our alliances. So wait a minute. We're not supposed to be the referees of the world at all. And you agree with that. But we should be providing effective leadership. So we should be guiding our alliances Right For common defense, that's not ours, but theirs. Okay, right. NATO's 29 democracies. Okay, let's take a look at the 29 members of NATO. Not all of them are democracies. So let's continue. Demonstrated that strength in their commitment to fighting alongside us following the 9-11 attack of America. So... We must provide effective leadership to these 29 nations that are part of NATO, who are also part of our global intelligence spygate network, who are also our subsidiaries. And I'd like to say that in a way, because maybe if we think about it as a company, it'll make more sense. We're the big company, and they're the subsidiaries, kind of like that. So we're responsible for their defense. We're responsible to provide them leadership. We're responsible for this. Right? So that way we can strengthen their commitment that they showed to us in 9-11. The 9-11 that's still in question, the 9-11 that I told you about, had links back to the actual administration and Senate and Congress, FBI, DNI, CIA, all the alphabet super agencies had some part in 9-11 that we don't know about. That 9-11. Uh-huh. So because they came to our aid during 9-11, like, didn't we come to their aid in World War II? Wait, maybe we instigated that too. Didn't we go to their aid in World War I? Maybe we instigated that too. I don't know. You know, history is so far gone now. We have no idea what's right or what's wrong. We need to ask actual people that are still alive and they're all dead. But let's keep going. So apparently they stood by us and we should be standing by them because we're their leader, but we shouldn't be their leader, you know, their policeman or leader. Okay. He continues, the defeat ISIS coalition of 74 nations is further proof. Ooh, the defeat ISIS coalition of 74 nations. So we've got 74 nations now that helped us defeat ISIS that we created and funded. All right. Let's continue. This is the fourth paragraph. Similarly, I believe we must be resolute and unambiguous in our approach to those countries whose strategic interests are increasingly in tension with ours. Hmm. So we should be clear uh, without any gray areas, right, to the rest of the world, right? We should let our allies know. We shouldn't hide information is what he's saying. What he's saying here is don't be secretive, okay, about countries who may have uh, strategic interests that are in tension with us. Ooh. So now he tells you which of these countries. It is clear that China and Russia, for example, want to shape a world consistent with their authoritarian model. Wait. 
So China, yes, they want to have full control of their citizens. They've got like the majority of the planet's population on their landmass. And that's a cultural thing. They do that. They subscribe to that. They've been doing it for thousands and thousands of years. So what he's saying is we should judge them, the Chinese, for maintaining a culture and a government that they've been used to, which is none of our business. But okay. Then he goes to Russia. Oh, Russia has an authoritarian. Well, Russia, when the USSR fell and came up and all these countries spun off, had so much debt, remember? And Russia, so authoritarian, right, paid off all the debt they had as a nation, paid off all the debt of all those nations that spun off and then joined the EU and have a surplus and are the only nation on the planet that have zero debt. Okay. So they're a problem because they're authoritarian. Actually, Russia's just doing it, doing their thing. They're looking at it's Russia first for them. And they've been around for a very long time. Remember, we've only been around for, what, 300 years? But we're going to tell everyone how to do stuff. All right, let's continue. So he goes on to tell you that, hey, the president needs to be clear where he stands with China and Russia because everyone's getting really nervous because they don't know where you stand. It's one you're hard, one you're soft, one you're making deals, one you're not making deals, and they're scared because they don't know. Oh, you mean he's not telling the enemies that may be masked as allies what he's doing? I mean, it, that's exactly what he promised to do. I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing. So I'm cool with that. So he goes on to say... Gaining veto authority over other nations' economic, diplomatic, and security decisions to promote their own interests at the expense of their neighbors. So he's saying that China and Russia are, you know, gaining this authority to stymie and and disrupt, basically, economic, diplomatic, and security decisions uh, so that way they can promote their own interests at the expense of their neighbors. So basically... Russia and China are making decisions and partnering with countries or doing things that benefit their countries and not the surrounding ones. And that's a bad thing because if they're not playing along in the game, this is what he's telling you. If they're not playing along with us, then they're not allowed to be in our circle and they're influencing our circle. And that's a problem. It's like the mean girl problem, you know, where you have this other group of friends that, you know, another click that you don't like. And that click is just calling you out. You're fake, fake nails, fake hair. You think you're this and you've got, you know, all these problems at home. You know, the mean girl syndrome. This is what it is. We've got the mean girls, which is the globalists, and then we've got the outsiders who are like, well, I don't care. I'm doing my own thing. I'm happy being a nerd. And they're like, you can't make that look cool because we look bad. This is basically where we're going, and I'm trying to make it as simple as possible so it makes sense. This is what he's telling you. So he says, that is why we must use all the tools of American power to provide for the common defense. Again, He is saying that we as Americans should use all the tools available to us. That is trade, sanctions, intelligence, armed forces, oil, gas, influence, everything we may have for the common defense that excludes countries that don't participate in this common defense, whatever that common defense is, which we will translate and we obviously can see means the global network. So he's telling us we should be globalists. 
We should fight for those countries. We should, you know, help France. We should help Germany. We should help all these people because that's the way it should be because we're in charge and you're not doing that. So next, he says, my views on treating allies with respect and also being clear-eyed about both malign actors and strategic competitors are strongly held and informed by over four decades of immersion in these issues. Yeah, you know, I dictated wars. I instructed attacks. I defended the United Kingdom, interests of other countries within Iraq. I've done all these for them. I've stood by that because that is what America stood for. America stood for this global alliance. And I've got... You know, four decades worth of it under my belt. So that's me. And, you know, we should respect them. We shouldn't throw them under the bus. Like, we can't throw the United Kingdom under the bus for creating this fake dossier. You can't, you can't, you know, release this FISA uh, application warrant because it'll just ruin them. It'll show that they colluded to create and manufacture fake stuff to undermine our democracy. You can't do that. That's what he's saying. And he's probably one of the main reasons that, you know, this FISA application warrant just for Carter Page. Because on the second half of the show, I'll talk about General Flynn's FISA warrant that nobody talks about. So he says that we should, you know, make sure that we're standing by them and we should be, you know, partners. He says we must do everything. And here is where he doesn't even hide it. We must do everything possible to advance an international order that is most conducive to our security, prosperity, and values. And we are strengthened in this effort by the solidarity of our alliances. Whoa! Here's where he's like, NWO is the way to go. No, it's not. Who else said that there should be an effort of solidarity with our alliances? Merkel said it. She said we should have social solidarity. We should be standing with every single person on the planet in solidarity. That exact statement was made by Hitler. This is Mein Kampf 2.0. And this general just said that we must subscribe to that because it's in our interest of security, prosperity, and values. Yeah, it would be because we, we, we spearheaded the whole thing. Our founding fathers created this, and the globalists of empires that have gone and have, have risen and fallen throughout uh, centuries within Europe thought, whoa, this is a great opportunity. Let's, let's get in there. And then suddenly the United States was changing faces and was being pulled apart. This is why we had a civil war. We had the globalists coming in, you know, with the European agenda, you know, Roman empires, Ottoman empires. It was always empires. We called them empires, right? Pulling tug of war, tug of war. And, you know, after Abraham Lincoln, we kind of lost, you know? kind of lost and as we as we evolved with technology and you know uh i would say we just evolved uh, socially too as a, as civilizations evolved you know we saw that slavery was no longer acceptable we became more um i would say we came to the realization that there should be some respect because we, with technology, we became more intelligent as well. We had more access to information, which in turn fuels the ability to learn more, right? 
we're not smarter now than we were then. Google doesn't make you smart. Google just gives you access. All right, so he's already made it clear we've got to stick with this. So he says, he continues, and this is paragraph three, four, and five, six. Because you have the right to have a secretary of defense whose views are better aligned with yours on these and other subjects, I believe it is right for me to step down from my position. So basically he's saying, you know, we're not seeing eye to eye on this. I'm all for this globalist order. I like order. I'm rigid. We got to put people in line. Civilians don't know what they're talking about. This is how you maintain order. It's a soldier's mentality. I, I can I can relate. But what he's telling the president is, I'm not the one that can do this for you. Your plan of destroying this is not my plan. So I'm going to step down. So he says the end date for my tenure is February 28, 2019, a date that should allow sufficient time for a successor to be nominated and confirmed as well as, uh, to make the department's interest and, um, are properly articulated and protected at upcoming events, uh, to include congressional posture hearings and the NATO defense ministerial meeting in February further that a full transition to a new secretary of defense occurs well in advance of transition of chairman of joint chiefs of staff in September in order to ensure stability within the department. So he's like, look, I'm leaving. We need about 60 days. We got all these important events. I'll just slide in and be there and I'll help with the transition, but you need to put someone up because I'm leaving then. Done. I'm, I'm leaving. And you know what? He's right. Because right now he just put this letter of resignation, which covers him from all these allies and alliances, from any responsibility for what's to come. He's one of the biggest anti-tribunal, war tribunal guys. Uh-huh. And we know what happens on the 1st of January, right? That EO about tribunals is coming. And he says, in closing, I pledge my full effort to a smooth transition that ensures the needs and interests of the 2.15 million service members and 732 and 79 DOD civilians receive undistracted attention of the department at all times so they can fulfill their critical round-the-clock mission to protect the American people. I very much appreciate the opportunity to serve the nation of men and women in uniform. Signed, General Mattis. So he's saying, you know, I'm going to stay here so you could transition. I don't want, you know, your plans to be hiccuped. We've got all these service members that are doing their own thing. we got DOD civilians doing their own thing. I want to be here so it's smooth, but you got to move it up. Guys, can you see that? This is incredible. We just had the general say, I'm not for America first. I'm for America first as the head of this caliphate. I'm for America being first in regards to being in charge of the whole world and dictating. This comes on the heels of us pulling out of Syria when President Trump was rightfully so to do so. It's none of our business. We're not investing in this pipeline. We are not helping the European Union. Let them figure it out. We know why Russia's there. Russia doesn't want the European Union to succeed and, and trash Syria. Because if they do and they successfully gain control of the land and send their little Goldman Sachs people in to do their job, you know, suddenly a pipeline appears and they're siphoning oil from Qatar, Oman, Iran, you know, from another avenue. And, you know, Russia loses money there. Of course they're going to be in there protecting Syria 
because they're protecting their interests. I mean, what country wouldn't do it? It's like we finding out that, uh, you know, a country in Central America has like crazy uranium and, you know, we're selling uranium and then, you know, uh, all these other nations want to overthrow the government of that country so they could take their uranium and they're one of our biggest competitors. And they're like, yeah, we're just going to take over. Of course, the U.S. is going to be like, wait, stop. That's not the free market. If you take it over, we can't compete properly. You're, you're creating a monopoly. You can't do that. Of course we'd be there protecting interests. This is exactly what Putin's doing. This is why he's standing by Assad. And, you know, if, if people actually took a step back and zoomed out in a timeline from the 80s, from the 70s actually, all the way to today, they will see that every single nation that has been overthrown and destroyed and taken over literally by us with help from us under the name and the cloak of terrorism, we've created pipelines. And the pipelines aren't for us. They're for the European Union. The European Union that is made up of many nations. The European Union that the previous administration praised as you know, a successful project of how nations can come together under one governing body, the EU Council. You know, those people you don't elect, you don't know who they are, you can't communicate. Those people. And General Maddox made it clear. I have four decades of setting the agenda for this. This is what's best for our country to be in charge of this. And President Trump is saying, yeah, you know what, it's really cool to be in charge. It's really cool to be the head dude. It's really cool that our country will have an empire. That's really cool, but it's not right. You know, in the past, you know, in history, if ever the Romans thought, you know, why don't we just mind our own business and let the Egyptians do their thing? We don't need to take over. Let the Israelis do their thing. We don't need to take over. Let's just all prosper together. How different our today might look. It's all about power. See, the Roman Empire rose and it fell in one day. The Greek Empire had risen so high that it had gotten to the point where it felt the need to give back to the people and open the borders and allow everyone to join because they thought they were Alexander the Great and that's where they screwed up. This is where disease came in. This is where that great empire fell. And then the Ottomans came in on their, you know, camels and horses and took it over. And they didn't stop there because you have Arabic inscriptions because, you know, before the Ottomans were considered Turks and expelled from the Arab community, right? They were proper Arab Muslims. They were just uh, a a radical part of it and you can hear many you know islam and arab scholars say the same thing they're fanatics they don't belong to us we don't acknowledge them they're not part of us so they went all the way up to scotland tell me how in roman baths in Scotland, there are Arabic inscriptions when they took over. That is how far they went. But you know, you won't find that in history books. Because those that control us today control the access to the information of yesterday. Because they want to write their own history going forward. 
I mean, you know, if you're like me and, you know, you're curious and you travel, then you'd go to these old libraries that have books. You know, I, uh, when I was a child, I'll just give you an example. I was a child. There was an element on the periodic table called unexilium. It was element 103 on the periodic table. I actually wrote a project, yes, nerd, and I own it, to NASA, and I actually got into a John Hopkins nerd program for it, where I wanted to create, um, I wanted to look into creating something that was a cross between a hydroelectric plant and an atomic bomb, (laughs) but it wasn't a bomb, uh, to propel engines for um, space travel. You know, I was really into physics and math. So I used this element because it had the qualities of uranium, but not the lethality of uranium, meaning that when it split and split and split and it came to capacity, it would actually degrade and start over again. So it would never pop. It would never explode. It was more stable. I remember it because I have notebooks, composition notebooks, where I wrote this stuff in really bad handwriting. I have my certificate from John Hopkins that was awarded to me, you know, when I was 12 for it. I have all these things. But you know what? When I go on the internet and I look up this element, it's not there. When I look at books that are published for the periodic table and I cite 80s, you know, 90s periodic, it's gone. It's gone. But when I go to really old bookstores and find these textbooks and find these books that are not cataloged, that have fallen through the cracks of recall. It's there. I know it sounds really trippy and it sounds really out there, but it's real. And any of you that may access like some really old dingy bookstore, take a look. Take a look at something so incredible. Element 103, Unexhelium, which is nowhere to be found now. And and this is just one example. Imagine what they've done to our history. I'm glad he's out, and I wish he could be out faster, but we'll have to wait until January to have that happen because I refuse to let them write our future. They've destroyed our history. They can't take our future. I'll see you guys after the break where we'll talk about Flynn's FISA application for a warrant. See you in a few. Welcome back. So I, I left you guys with uh, some interesting thoughts. And, you know, a lot of people immediately say, whoa, that's far-fetched. That's insane. Well, yeah, it is. If there's only one example, there's tons of such examples that exist. So I urge you to just do your homework if you want to find out. Because there's a lot of people that like to have their head buried. So like promised, I will be uh, deconstructing and giving you some insight because it's not really talked about. It's very under wraps about the FISA application that the Obama administration got on Flynn. I put up an article on ToriSays.com. It's titled The FISA Fix. 
Flynn. Now, as we know, Carter Flynn, uh, Carter Page's FISA warrant is the only warrant that we really hear a lot about. It's the only one uh, that we've seen. Redacted, but seen. It is the only one. But I will tell you that on December 17th, 2018, the day of Flynn's supposed sentencing, it just so happened, and I said it on the day it happened, that they started discussing about his connections again, because they did discuss it in the past, right? They started to discuss again how, you know, this, um, his connection was to Turkey and how he was lobbying for a foreign country and hadn't registered as a foreign lobbying agent or, um, you know, and that then the judge actually took it and started saying things like, whoa, you know, you were an unregistered agent for a foreign country while serving as the national security advisor to the president of the United States. Arguably, this undermines everything this flag over here stands for. Whoa. That could have been like something that you'd see on Dynasty or Judge Judy on a good day. That was incredible. Incredible to see. And I'm thinking, was Justice Sullivan playing around? Was he not paying attention? Or was it how the Mueller team put it through? Because, you know, that indictment had just been recently unsealed. Every single talking head in mainstream, corporate mainstream media, everybody was talking about how two of his associates were indicted. He was referring to Bijan Rafkin, who's known as Bijan Kian, you know, for short, and um, Camille Akim Alpektin, uh, you know, who's a Turkish national. And just so you guys know, because not a lot of people know this, Bijan Kian is actually Iranian, okay? So he's an Iranian American. So anyway, they were indicted. And um, that was actually released on the eve, actually the day or the eve of General Flynn's sentencing date, coincidentally. And, uh, you know, in my article, you'll find the link to the case. That way you can read it. Uh, you know, on the day, obviously, the judge coming back from a break, walked back all his comments. But, you know, the mainstream media still peddled it as, whoa, now Flynn not only lied to the FBI, but he might have committed treason. Look how bad this Trump administration is. You know, there were titles like Michael Flynn's former business associates indicted in connection with attempt to get Turkish uh, cleric extradited. Yeah, but they don't tell you about this Turkish cleric. They don't tell you how even, you know, Islam nations, Arab nations can condemn him for what he's done. He's considered a fanatic. He's considered one that uh, that spreads propaganda. He's the one that started in the 90s pushing the, you know, you need to be more Islam friendly. You know, we need to have these small jihads. Literally, those are his words. Super friend of the Clintons, did a lot of business with the Clintons and the Bushes, and obviously with Obama. You know, and then we had Vox, you know, super fake news, right? Putting things like, you know, spun the story to not even talk about Turkey, but circle back how, you know, treason is with Russia. It's like, did their writer even know what he was talking about? It was just incredible. But anyway, what we have realized, though, from the testimony that we have transcripts of from the FBI director, along with Brennan's. You know, when they question him, hey, you're right. You had all this, you know, recorded, you know, 
conversations of General Flynn with these Russians? Was there anything criminal in them? And they all say no. So basically, he didn't say anything that would be considered criminal, treasonous, or, you know, that could be prosecuted. So he never said anything that was criminal. It was all cordial. It was all just simple, you know, uh, well wishes and just good relations. It would have been the same if, you know, he talked to the Canadian ambassador or the British ambassador. But, you know, they're Canadian and British and they're considered part of this as Mattis calls it partnership, alliance and partnership, right? So they don't count. But Turkey isn't part of this partnership? Well, hold on. They helped the Obama administration help the European Union stage this coup. I don't see how that is. But okay. Further to that, I wanted you to to think, okay? They literally orchestrated this Turkey thing. And I'll tell you why. So this guy, um, Bion, right? Let's call him for short. Like I said previously, he was actually appointed by George Bush as, um, you know, uh, interim uh, board of director for the Export-Import Bank of the United States, right? And I'm going to read you a quote from his testimony during the U.S. Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs from July 11, 2007. Just listen to this. Thank you, Chairman Dodd, Senator Allard. I am most grateful to President Bush for renominating me and granting me the greatest honor of my life with the opportunity to serve my country, says the Iranian, the United States of America, as a member of the Board of Directors of Export-Import Bank of the United States. With nine months of service in this capacity, I have developed an understanding of the bank's operations and mission. I have been fortunate to work closely with the most talented, dedicated professional staff at Exim Bank. I would like to express my appreciation for their hard work in support of American exporters and their contribution to maintaining and expanding U.S. jobs through exports. Okay. So the, the who was on the Senate committee? We had South Dakota's Senator Johnson, Rhode Island Reed, Chuck Schumer. So Chuck Schumer knows this guy real well. Uh, Bay from Indiana, Carper from Delaware, Bob Menendez. Woo! Who was posing with Bob Menendez yesterday? Wasn't that Lindsey Graham? Right. We had a caca from Hawaii. We had Senator Brown from Ohio. Casey from Pennsylvania. Tester from Montana. Shelby from Alabama. Bennett from Utah. Allard from Colorado. NZ from Wyoming. Hagel, Nebraska. Bunning, Kentucky. Crapo from Idaho or it could be Crapo, whatever, Sununu from New Hampshire, Elizabeth Dole from North Carolina, and Mel Martinez from Florida. But here's where I'd like to draw your attention. Look at, uh, I on my article, you can see it. And if you link up to the document, you'll see who the council members are. So the Republican council for this uh, Senate committee was Joseph Hepp, Justin Daly, and Andrew Omem. Andrew Omem, who was one of the people that President Trump gave an exemption for, you know, to work. Just do your homework a lot. So, furthermore, just to say, this guy has been fully embedded with administrations of the past for many years. But here's where it gets really interesting this guy has lied 
on paper and during these Senate committee hearings, right? Because I snapshot his political affiliation and activities that were listed, you know, on his application when they were considering him to, for a more permanent position, which he received because he's gotten medals and everything. And on there it says Iranian American Republican Council that he was the elected national president three times, uh, 1995 through 2003 and 2004. It's a chartered organization of the Republican Party. Iranian American Council chartered organization of the Republican Party. Hmm. You know, uh, for a very long time, people keep telling us that it's the Democrats that love Iran because people still think that there were always two parties. There were never. They were just one with the illusion of two. So here it is. So the reason that he had that is because they need to know if you've been lobbying, you know, and why are these councils created in the first place? They're created to lobby for interests. But here's the direct question that he answered. They said um, in the questionnaire, he's supposed to list any lobbying activity during the past 10 years in which you have engaged in for the purpose of directly or indirectly influencing the passage, defeat, or modification of any legislation at the national level of government or affecting the administration and execution of national law or public policy. He said, I have not conducted any lobbying activity. Well, you see me, Tory, found that the uh, Iranian-American Republican Council, while he was president, has an update still online. You know, they forgot that one. And it's called Lobbying Techniques. It was part of their update. And it says Dan Levy, one of the nation's top campaign advisors and former security policy advisor to Senator Gordon Smith and Roger Martin, a lobbyist, presented a seminar on the details and intricacies of lobbying. So they said Iranian-Americans can just as easily run for office as there are American counterparts, if they have a message, a vision. So basically they've been lobbying, promising to deliver block votes of Iranian Americans, for example, um, and making, uh, becoming part of the immediate family of a candidate before they're elected. We're talking insane stuff. So they've been lobbying for Iranian interests or Iranian migrants in our country. So that's that. But here's where it gets really, really, really crazy. So the foundation for Flynn's FISA warrant had nothing to do with Russia. It only said, well, if he's doing this, then we have to assume that he's doing Russia. And there was a little bit of stuff in there in the dossier talking about Russia, you know, because he talked to Russians before, because as a general, he would. But, you know, they just kind of threw that in as salt and pepper just to season it. But here it is. The foundation of the FISA warrant application for General Flynn was exactly this case. The case where this clown took the bullet for the deep state, this plan to lobby for Turkey that just so happened to come up and quickly escalate within like 60 days. It just happened. It went from zero to 100. And it just so happened that the FBI, DOJ, intelligence community had all the information intact and verified to apply for the warrant. 
I mean, how convenient is that? You know, in July, that suddenly these emails start to fly, right? Even though this guy has been part of Flynn Intel for a while because Flynn Intel worked with Turkey and the Middle East, just like every other former intelligence official creates their own company to provide their services in surveying and background checking. You know, everyone does that. They consult and they create these consultancy groups. So no one's ever been maimed for that. But here's where it gets interesting. This guy had inserted himself in there from like 2015. And it just so happened right after Donald Trump decided to run. So they already knew who was going to be part of the Flynn team because they were already monitoring Trump's communications right after he announced it. Remember Judge Judge Collier scolding, you know, Clapper and Lynch? Hey, why were you keeping this upstream data without warrants? Oh, yeah, you know, there was a problem with the software. There was human error. But, you know, since we found them, they're useful. How do we make this legal? Oh, you have 30 days to do it. You know, that, you know, you should circle back and listen to that episode, that show where I deconstructed that. But here's where it gets super interesting. So this guy gets inserted into Flynn Intel and Flynn's company had no um, concerns with this guy working with him because he's worked with so many previous administrations, both Republican and Democratic. Uh, He has a very good working knowledge of relationships with Turkey and Iran, and that was his domain. So why not? So there was a shell company created that this guy spearheaded, and I can almost guarantee you he got a lot of help from where he was because from November 2016, after after they had received all this information, he was part of the presidential transition team's intelligence community deputy lead for the ODNI. Wait a minute, what? So this guy who's been indicted was working for Clapper after he provided all these emails and, you know, uh, the, 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 the FBI had all this information. He was working for Clapper and Clapper didn't know he was doing this. Are we kidding? They're probably talking to stupid people because you have to be really thick and dumb to believe that you can work at the ODNI and that you have not been put through a fine-tooth comb and show that you have connections with Flynn, who has already been courted. They were courting him in early, you know, in July of 2016. People thought that Flynn was going to be the nomination for VP. So you're going to tell me that this guy worked with the Obama administration transition team under the ODNI, And Clapper had no idea who this dude was, had no idea that he was working with Flynn, had no, are we, come on guys, this is off, like go to the article, it's there, he's even put it on his own LinkedIn, he says he served as deputy lead in directing the efforts of a volunteer group that connected with all 17 elements of the office of the, those 17 agencies that reported Russia collusion, right? The 17 elements of the Office of the Director of National Intelligence supported providing policy input, strategic guidance, and operational counsel to prepare new directors, national intelligence, CIA, and other cabinet secretaries for roles in the Trump Trump administration. What? So he was just slotting in there, right, to the ODNI. They didn't know anything about this, you know, uh, 
the Obama administration had all this stuff and they were working on a FISA warrant application on Flynn. And yet this guy was working with all 17 agencies that found Russia collusion. Really? This is what we need to look at. Come on, guys. This is a fix. So, and, and, and imagine, they set him up so bad with this dude that they were trying to get him on, you know, treasonous activity or lobbying and not registering his lobbying. But here's where the kicker is. His dude, Robert, right, that's his name, if I remember off the top of my head, filed in October of 2016, you know, the interests of the company and stuff. So he actually filed it. Let's see. Let me pull his name. So it was Robert Kelly. He decides to file information relating to Flynn Intel, you know, as a company, like what they were doing, you know, and it sounds like this whole, you know, foundation and manufacturing of the uh, FISA application warrant was super a fix. Like, who is Robert Kelly? Where are you, man? I got questions for you. Tell me, why did you decide in October to file all this stuff if they were talking in August? These are questions that need to be asked. He didn't do anything wrong. Flynn didn't do anything wrong. You know, and and Flynn even wrote an op-ed that everyone's like, oh, you wanted Gulen extradited. He's like, we don't need him. He's causing Islamic terrorism. He promotes it. He promotes jihad. Turkey wants him. Whatever. Give it to him. Let's get Turkey on our side because Turkey's imperative. For what we need to do as a country, what we need to do to stymies the European and globalist agenda, you know, the one that General Mattis says is very important because it's beneficial to us. Yes, it is. Our nation would prosper and all the other nations would be our slaves. That's the way it would work. We'd have factions of nice places and factions of not nice places. What is that movie called with the sections? Oh, man. Great. The one where she does like the finger thing and whistles. My, I, I totally blanked out. You, you get what I'm saying. We've seen those movies before where they have the really pretty countries or cities and then all the desolate where people just mine steal, the other people just bake bread and the other people just toil fields because that's what they want. That's how an effective civilization happens. Know your place. That's the favorite word of everybody that is part of this cabal and it is the most hated phrase for me. So pay attention, Flynn's actual FISA warrant was manufactured because they started talking, as you can see from the indictment that's posted on the DOG website, but if you go to my article, the link is there, that they started, hey, let's do this. Sure, the Turkish government will give many. Okay, then we'll do this, and we'll send it this way. This all happened, you know, at the end of July, you know, when all the other FISA application warrants were getting jimmied up, you know, when, you know, Fusion GPS had done its job on this and they started collating this and they started flying around the world collecting information. That's when it happened. You know, coincidence, right? That all of these FISA warrant applications all started some kind of activity in July of 2016. Pretty incredible. Hmm? Pretty incredible. Like, oh my gosh, on the coincidences. So I've, I've also put the link for you to read the op-ed where, you know, General Flynn made a solid case, showed you the links that Gulen has with Clinton and what the plan was all along. Sharia America. Nope, nope, nope. So remember, they got this FISA warrant based on something they manufactured themselves and put one of their own people to do. And this 
I'm pretty sure Horowitz is on it. I'm pretty sure that everyone is on top of it and making sure that they know the derivation of this information. I mean, let's find the communications between this this clown, right? Let's see Rafi, uh, Rafikian's, you know, history of communications with other people. Let's see his secret emails and his private emails. I'm pretty sure they have it. They unsealed the indictment. I'm pretty sure they have it. If not, pretty sure Horowitz has it. Pretty sure Huber has it. Unless, you know, messages, text messages, and emails were all deleted prior to July. You know, July 1st, I would say, and July 20th would be a great period of time where we might even see Comey's name flying around or Brennan's. Because this is a fix. This was a fix. I mean, look at his history. This guy has medals. He's, he's been, you know, how did this go from zero to 100? This is how they wiretapped. This is how they were monitoring General Flynn. And then they went to the guy with conversations from like weeks ago. And so what would you talk about? He's like, I don't know. It was like basic stuff. I don't even remember the conversations I had yesterday. So he misspoke and he lied. And he's like, well, it wasn't important. I mean, if you're sitting there saying, well, let's talk policy, you're going to remember that. Serious conversations I remember, things that are just cordial or, you know, discussions on the fly, I'm not going to remember. That's too much. That's junk for the brain. It's deleted. You don't have room for that. So we got him on lying because he didn't remember the conversation that they already had transcribed. So they went to him to question him on conversations they recorded that they themselves admit showed no, you know, issues of the way he conducted himself or showing any favoritism to Russia or discussing anything that would be criminal. So they had these recorded conversations and they came to him, asked him on the record, but told him, don't worry, it's unofficial. You know, we're just chilling and asking questions. They realized he wasn't hiding anything, but they still got him for lying because he couldn't remember. And the thing is, they got him for lying not only because he couldn't remember the conversation, but because he didn't remember it well enough to tell the vice president, hey, you know, um, I called so-and-so, I don't know, just to say like happy birthday. And yeah, I lied to you about that. I should have remembered that. That's not a lie that's an omission but okay let's call it a little let's call it a lie whatever whatever to stop you probing so that we can get on with the plan to dismantle the deep state i'm game it's incredible you guys it's right in front of they literally manufactured this this guy that they supposedly indicted is one of their own boys let's see where his wife and kids are right now To anyone listening on the internet, do it. Check out where his daughters are. Let's follow the money. Let's see how much money his family got. Not directly. Maybe on an offshore account. Because this was well planned. This was well done. See, this is why no one's talking about Flynn's FISA warrant. This is why it's not even out in the open. Because then it's going to expose that they manufactured this turkey thing to submit it. They manufactured it. We need to find out how they got all this information in time to apply for the FISA warrant uh, on Flynn so quickly because they needed this Russian narrative. And then what we need to do is find out who was this judge that the Obama administration, along with Lynch, Comey, along with Clapper and Brennan, who did they run to? In January, before the inauguration, which justice was this that they went to saying, 
you need to, you know, stymie, you need to stop this inauguration because it is undermining our democracy. That election shouldn't ever happen. They colluded with Russia. Here's the proof. Look at Flynn talking. He didn't tell the vice president. Look at him with Turkey. Look at all this stuff. Look at this PP folder. Look at this circular reporting. Look at what the Times said. Look at this. Guess who that judge is? I'm just saying, I'm thinking that that could be Chief Justice Roberts. I don't know. You know, the only judge we can't remove, the only judge we have no say, and the only judge that appoints. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com
Okay, so so where we left off is me telling you that all signs indicate to one thing. Whenever in our nation, ever in our history of our country existing, actually, there has never been a time where a previous administration would be able to make the case of annulling an election based on some conspiracy with uh, foreign nations that are considered enemies. I mean, they went all in on this idea. Oh, Obama even signed a last-minute executive order about Russia. They had all these recordings, all this information, all this manufactured data, these fake dossiers, this collusion, you know, that they're they're blaming on the dead guy. And I told you this three weeks ago, they're going to blame the dead guy and whoever dies again. But think, what if you were president and you had your attorney general, you had your director of FBI, your director of the DNI, your director of the CIA, all these agencies. And then all your allies, right? Like the United Kingdom, because they're all over this. So you had all these people come together and provide information. We've seen that from the emails where they were frantically trying to collect all this information. So you get all this information. You create a massive portfolio of why Trump should not be allowed to swear in as the 45th president. You got all that. You don't go to district court for it. You don't go to magistrate for it. And you go to the Supreme Court, but to go to the Supreme Court, there's a way to go to it. But, you know, executive privilege and all, and having a judge that your law firm and you in the past have worked with multiple times, a judge that made sure you as president had all your educational records, history, birth certificates, the whole nine yards sealed. You go to that judge. You go to the justice you know will tell you as the chief justice in our nation. The chief justice in our nation will tell you, yes, this can fly or no. Because if there's no precedent, who's to say that the president can't go to the Supreme Court chief justice? The one that, you know, on his own decides who he's going to appoint to FISA courts, right? With no intervention from Congress. You can't tell him he can't do it. He could pick some dude that's clerking, you know, somewhere in Wyoming and place him as a judge, and you can't say anything if he feels like it. He could take, you know, Ocasio, you know, out from, you know, where she was bartending and place her as a judge. I mean, you know, she doesn't have the qualifications, but he could do it if he wants to because that's what the law says. So think about it. When they all rushed, and, I can, and I'm going to get a lot of heat, and I hope you share, 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 share this. The question is, if I was president, I'd go to him. Because this has never happened before in our history. We've never contested an election like this. We've never contested an election with the argument that it was done in a way to undermine our democracy. I would start asking questions of the Supreme Court Justice, the Chief Supreme Court Justice, Justice Roberts. You know, he's there, but that doesn't mean we can't check his emails. 
That doesn't mean we can't check his phone records. That doesn't mean we don't check his Gmail and Facebook and Twitter if he has or Instagram. This is imperative. And I guess for the holidays, make this my present to all you that listen, that do homework. Think about it for a second. I cannot confirm or deny if I have any evidence of his implication. Can't. But what I can tell you is, if I was president, and this was actually a real thing or something that I concocted, you know, to to con out my own country from, you know, their ability to remove my establishment's power, that's where I'd go. I'd go to the Supreme Court Chief Justice and ask him, to step in. I'd ask him to create this, the new law or this new avenue because it's new or just delay it, delay it just a little bit so we can have people up in arms. Just give it a delay. It didn't fly because he knew that there was too much communication. He knew that they had too much history between each other. He knew that this would be a hot mess. I mean, that's what needs to come out. And just a question. I know we have tribunals uh, for civilians becoming legal soon. The question to you that I have is, can we use that on Supreme Court justices? I don't know. You know, that's that's a thought. Think about it. Can we use it? on Supreme Court justices, and specifically the Welcome back, host. Have a great show. Oh, gosh darn it. Sorry about that. Especially, you know, our chief Supreme Court justice. um, I am opening up my phone lines if anyone would like to dial in. Uh, The number here is 215-TOP-TALK. I just want to finish today's segment with just looking back at what we know what we have and what we see. And, you know, I say it again and again, and and the reason that I insist on repeating myself is because, you know, that strategy actually works. We see it with the mainstream media. They just repeat something and someone's just going to accept it. But for me, I'm not trying to tell you, I'm telling you what my opinion is and my perspective. But I'm not trying to tell you this is right and that is wrong. I want you to think about it. I mean, you've got six inches between your two ears that you can make really good use of. And just think how insane it is that all this has transpired. Think of how insane it is that, you know, we still don't know who this judge is. Who is this judge that the Obama administration ran to? And, you know, my argument is I would have run to the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. I mean, who else has more authority than him. No one. So we have Flynn. We have Carter Page. We have George Papadopoulos. We've got who else? Do you know how many other people they have? I mean, they say there's four. How much unofficial monitoring was done? We've got Manafort, right? Cohen inserted? No. Blocked in, actually. He was just dumb. He was just dumb, and you know he regrets it. And he's angry because he fell for it, you know. He did this whole, um, you know, you know, good cop, bad cop that Mueller pulled on him. The same stuff that they've pulled with everyone. 
what Jerome Corsi has come out to say. Guarantee you they're like, well, we found this. And him not being sure if something like that ever existed, he was starting to sing like a bird. He's the stool pigeon, a rat. He lied to cover himself thinking, well, if I give him enough, they'll let me off. He should have just stayed to the truth. He should have just stayed a line because he knew that, you know, when you have a person that you've worked with for so long that you know inside out, that you've dealt with their legal issues, you know that they will have your back. Why would you sit there and lie? And if you're any type of body language expert, look at his interview. His interview was filled with hate, but he looked so broken. It's like they brainwashed him. He didn't look like the same person. I actually felt bad for Cohen when I saw him. Because I'm thinking, you know, there's a lot of people that have been put in that position. Where they either stand true to their morals, to their truth, or give in. Because they threaten your family. I mean, George Papadopoulos the other day said, they're, they're harassing my family. I mean, he went to jail. What else do you want? Why are you harassing them? How many of us right now listening to this show have they invaded our privacy of? I, my emails, my phone calls, my tweets, my Facebook, because I'm a staunch supporter of the president. Because maybe I traveled, you know, you too. Maybe you've traveled. Maybe they're like, well, you know, they were handing out signs and stickers and campaigning. Maybe we need to look over there. Imagine how far their scope has gone. The Obama administration will go down in history as the most corrupt administration ever. And you know, they're really bitter too. And that you can see from Michelle Obama. Even Piers Morgan called her out, calling her bitter because she was she was winching and and scrutinizing Melania Trump. Like, girl, where's the girl code? Like, all first ladies are ladies. But, you know, you'd have to be a woman to know that, Michelle. You know, you'd have to be a lady in the first place. Because the bottom line is, when you show your detest and you're evil and spiteful like that, indicates that you're in trouble. Kind of like the way Obama sat throughout the whole funeral of Bush 41. The whole organized and orchestrated funeral of Bush 41. We all saw it. And for her to be on TV and talk like that about Melania, did you guys catch it? It was ridiculous. I was kind of like, oh, how classy. She was talking about how she gave her that Tiffany. She was like, oh, my gosh, and that Tiffany box. It's like, what? She gave you a gift. Um, You gave the same kind of gift box. You gave a gift box to Laura Bush, but, you know, you didn't hear Laura Bush saying, oh, and she gave me this tacky box with a red bow. Uh, Melania gave you a very expensive picture frame just being nice, uh, you know, and just – being cordial. I mean, whenever I go to anybody's house, I'll bring something. Bottle of wine, a gift, flowers. You always bring something. That's just, you know, you're kicking these people out. These corrupt clowns, nevertheless, right? That you know what they've been up to. You know what they've been doing to your family, you know, throughout the election. You know what they've been doing to the people of America for over a decade. And you still, 
smile gracefully and say, all right, now get the fucking out. Yet they turn around and talk bad about it. It tells you exactly what is going on. Everything tells you what's going on. From their resistance to their secrecy, you know, this is where people need to focus. The people that vote need to focus. This free speech curbing. You know, um, I just wanted to say, I don't know if you guys caught Ingram's show yesterday uh, where they actually had, uh, you know, that Purple Heart veteran, Brian, who came out and created the GoFundMe, which I'm very jealous about, like I said, because I tried that over a year ago and totally failed miserably because I don't have the platform he does. But did you know that he actually has a company called Military Grade Coffee? And so that coffee company was, uh, you know, had over, you know, almost over a quarter million people following the page on Facebook. And, you know, when you buy his coffee, he gives like 10% uh, to veterans. It's, um, you can find it on militarygradecoffee.com. So basically 10% always goes to veterans. Um, you know, it's a dark roast coffee. And the reason I mention it is that they've silenced his business. But what I noticed was that CBS did a hit piece on him. So CBS, CBS actually did a hit piece on him, calling him all these names, pulling up stuff, skeletons or made up skeletons or exaggerated skeletons uh, to just minimize what he's actually doing. He's a soldier, a triple amputee. Right. And for everyone that has ever served, you know, we don't stop fighting once we're off the battlefield. You know, you don't stop fighting once you get home. You're always going to be fighting for your country and you find new ways to do it. Either that be from contributing to veterans, contributing to causes, uh, advocating, writing, speaking. We're always there recruiting. Do you know how many times I like, you know, walk up to youngsters that I think have potential? I'm like, you know, you should speak to a recruiter. You know, the Navy offers this, you know, <laughs> Navy. The, you know, this offers this, that offers that, you know, you could look at it because it's a great benefit. We need smart, good, dedicated patriots within our armed forces. This is what every single soldier, this guy decided, hey, I'm going to battle. You know, we're not going to wait until these clowns that we've elected decide where they're going to spend our tax money. We want a wall. We're going to get it now. And it's okay. I'll pay 80 bucks. I'll pay 80 bucks to get that wall up. You don't, I don't have to wait for you to allocate my money because you obviously think giving away my hard-earned tax money to Southern Mexico and Central America is more important right now. So I'll raise that fund. So this veteran put his life under a microscope for us. That's dedication. A person that puts their name out there and says, all right, my family is going to be put through the ringer. And how despicable to do that to such a hero. CBS, NBC, like I'm barfing right now. It's disgusting. So if you haven't, you know, shop for Christmas yet, you can go to militarygradecoffee.com and buy someone coffee. I mean, that's always a good thing. Everybody drinks coffee, right? Can't run in the morning. Our brains don't work until that juice gets in for some of us and namely me. I have to have at least three before I actually can function since I've burnt those receptors out a very long time ago. But we're seeing a growing theme of anyone that is patriotic 
Anyone that wants their country to succeed, anyone that does not want to subscribe to this global alliance or partnerships, as General Mattis put it. Anyone that decides that our country should be coming first is being attacked. And he's not the only one. Tiyukafefe, uh, tiyukafefe.com. A friend of mine, a really good friend of mine created that company. It's Cafefe Coffee. Like, it's hilarious, too. I love the packaging, and the coffee is great. It's not even acidic. They're not even allowed to advertise because the American flag was intrusive to Amazon. So they've removed the flag, and they still can't advertise. As Americans, I know we're out there on social media throwing around flags, you know, MAGA this, MAGA that, CAG this, CAG that, but it's supporting companies like that are created by veterans that are a hundred percent owned by Americans that create things and like Ben shot. I, I wrote an article about Ben shot. It's on the Tory says.com page. It's a family company and they were scrutinized for giving their employees gift cards for Christmas to go purchase handguns. But the stipulation was that they had to go to, um, you know, gun training and, and then pick a gun. And they create like this, these really cool hand-blown glasses that actually have bullets in them. It's pretty cool. I've ordered a few for Christmas too. The, you know, these, that's where we need to spend our money because uh, many, many times you've heard me say, follow the money, right? Because money makes the world go round. Well, if you spend your money on companies like my pillow, Ben Shot, you know, military grade coffee, black rifle coffee, cafefe coffee, because we all drink coffee. Why go to Folgers when you can go to, you know, somebody who's giving you coffee and benefiting you or aligns with your values? I mean, why are we giving money to people we don't align with? Because if we stop giving them money, they stop having power. That's the bottom line. Don't give them money. Why are you going to go to a company that, you know, doesn't align with you? It's like saying, I'm anti-abortion. I believe it's murder. But then you go to a company that literally sells baby parts to buy your perfume, to buy perfume. I'm just saying. Or a company that uses, you know, fetal tissue to test their cosmetics and you just go and buy their eyeshadow. Totally contradictory to what you believe. Because they're in business and are able to purchase fetal parts because you're buying their stock. Having said that, I haven't trolled this and I've been meaning to troll it. But remember how Starbucks, when um, President Trump uh, was president-elect and he said, we're going to say Merry Christmas in America. You remember how Starbucks was so butthurt that they were like, no more holiday cups. It's just going to be red. We don't do holiday decorations, no tartan, no mistletoes, no snowflakes, no Merry Christmas, no nothing. It's just red. Well, what happened? <laughs> because if you notice, they had some really cool Christmas cups, right, this year. Uh, so Starbucks, that that didn't work for you because people weren't coming anymore, huh? That's where putting your money where your mouth is. You believe in America first, buy American. You believe in buying products that align with your values, do it. If you can starve these clowns out, starve them out. You don't align with my values. See ya. Kind of like what I did. Direct TV. What? You want a monopoly? What? I'm out. I'm out. I'm going to dish because they're fighting for the little guy. They're trying to stymie you from getting a monopoly, from becoming a giant, from becoming like Google, but for entertainment. 
That's what you need to do. Everyone should be doing this. You need to be using your wallet. I mean, we're using our wallet right now, raising funds for the wall. Use your wallet when you're shopping. I know it's more convenient to get stuff from Amazon, which, by the way, I have to call because I ordered something on the 14th with Prime Delivery, and it's still not here. But I know it's, it's, it's convenient. And a lot of us, you know, pick convenience over inconvenience, right, for last-minute things, of course. But where we can, because I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because I do contribute to these companies too. But where I can, where it's not a matter of convenience or having done something yesterday, I always pick America first. Always. And every time I'll call a company, either that be Verizon or any other service provider I have, and I get a foreigner on the phone, I don't talk to them. Literally, I don't. And, you know, uh, you know, they'll say something like, my name is Bob. And I was like, all right, Raj, can I speak to someone in America? Yeah, we can't do that. You need to call back. So what do I do? I always call back whatever service provider I have, and I pick the, I want to cancel my service. Because then you get an American. So the first thing I do is always complain. I don't want to speak to people that are located outside this country. I only want to speak to American workers. How can I do that? I'm sorry, we don't have a, that's okay. Then you can deal with my problem. And I'm not going to go through the regular procedure until you fix that for me. And if everybody followed that protocol, everybody called Verizon and said, uh, you know, disconnect, disconnect, then at that point, you would have them literally have to do something about it because their executive team or their people that deal with such information would have to create that avenue to only speak to Americans because so many people are doing. I'm just saying, this is just one of many strategies I use. You know, someone can say, oh, you're still biased. No, I don't like the fact that there's some dude in some warehouse in the Philippines or India that has access to my social security number, my banking information, my telephone records, you know, that's not governed by my laws. I can't impose American laws there and they have access to all this information. Let's go to our, to our healthcare. How come Blue Cross, Blue Shield, United Healthcare, all of them, why do they have their Age, uh, you, you know, they're agents that have access to the most sensitive information about you, your health overseas. They have access to all of it, what you get, what you don't get, what your premiums are, how sick you are, what medication they have full access. Hardly any of them speak English. That's understandable. So imagine the trouble for our over 65 population that, you know, is hard of hearing. Cause personally me, I talk loud because I'm deaf, literally deaf in one ear. I find it difficult to listen to them because one, you know, their accent is really bad. And, and two, you know, you know, they don't speak that loud, (laughs) but anyway, my point is, is we need to drive our economy, not just by, uh, things that our president is doing and trying to bring the jobs back, but forcing the companies to bring the jobs back. Like I've said before, we are that weapon against this globalist agenda, not only on geopolitics and dictating policy and demanding our senators and our Congress people to do their job the way we want it, but we can also drive it in regards to companies and corporations. We have that power because we're, we're their source. We're their cash cow. The minute we change how we respond to what they provide us, you know, everything's going to change. 
Every time you call your health insurance, ask a question, you get an Indian, you say, I want someone in America, can't do it, call some division like for extraordinary circumstances and say, I don't want to speak to an Indian. I have the right as a consumer to speak to someone within the United States. Because again, I say it, imagine, you know, identity theft. Really? Your social security number is nothing right now. It's, it's BS. It's like your name. You know, everybody has it. Everybody, there's nothing secure. Especially when we've got databases in India that have captured millions and millions of Americans' identification. Anyway, now it's the weekend where I'm going to reconvene. I'll be here on Christmas Eve and on Christmas to keep you company. It'll be a great break while I'm cooking the turkey for a party on Christmas. It'll be after uh, my kids open up presents and I will be holding off on the eggnog until I get guests. Now for everyone, I am only going to tell you that I would always recommend that you take a step back when you look at everything from politics to consumer relations, everything that's going on with our country. And I urge you, to read General Mattis' letter yourself. On that note, I wish you guys a happy and healthy weekend. And if you're not back with me on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, Merry Christmas and may God bless you and your family. Thank you. From all of us at Red State, Merry Christmas.